Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast, or as always, welcome if you're brand new to the show. This episode, I have been so excited to release and share with you guys, especially kind of the backstory about this, and I'll just dive into it right now, but this guest is someone that I randomly met at a coffee shop in New York City, where I live, which I did mention um, part of the story in the intro of our recording, but I guess to kind of really give an overview of, you know, how things went down, um, I think this was like the week before Thanksgiving, and I was packing up. I typically try to go out to a coffee shop three, maybe four times a week just because I don't like to be in my house all the time or sometimes, you know, it really depends what my day or my week looks like. And I'm usually at a couple of specific coffee shops I tend to go to consistently. And so um, this coffee shop was Blue Bottle. It's a pretty well-known coffee place, I think, especially, you know, living in LA, we used to have Blue Bottle as well, and that's just a very popular spot. Um, but I was packing up, I think it was, you know, maybe 6.30 that night, and I remember as I was kind of, you know, finishing up my work, I remember hearing this guy talk to his friend, and he has a very pronounced voice very loud and you know with his background as an actor and whatnot it makes a lot of sense um but I remember hearing him just kind of talk about the dynamic and psychology of why I think it's either his roommate or one of his close friends who's a girl why she does what she does and how she was asking him for input and advice on how she's been approaching her dating life so to speak even though he was kind of saying well it's actually less of a dating life and more of a maybe um you know you're sleeping with guys life right and and it was funny because I was like instantly intrigued if you've been listening for a while you know that one of my favorite topics to talk about on this podcast is just simply human dynamics why we do what we do in life and our career and in our relationships and then just of course, the foundation of what I believe is in our fulfillment in life, which is our relationships, both in our personal life and in our professional life. And so this caught my attention. And, you know, I, I kind of stayed a little bit to hear what they were saying. Um, and again, I was still kind of finishing up work as well. But at that point, my focus was, you know, listening in on their conversation, not to be a creep. But then eventually I was like, wow, he, you know, I can tell he's intelligent he speaks with a lot of clarity and I just instantly was like, wow, I wish I was recording his conversation and putting a spin on it into a podcast. And then I just decided, you know, let me ask my followers. I put this on my personal Instagram, not the not the what fulfills you one, but I had asked you guys if you think I should go up to this random stranger and ask him to be on the podcast. And uh, you know, I think at the hour I posted it, a lot of you guys viewed it very quickly. And so, you know, at least 30, some of you like voted yes within five minutes. So I was like, okay, gonna do it. 
And so I walked up to him. I kind of interrupted him and his friend. I felt really bad, but I was like, hey, you know, this probably seems weird, but I have a podcast. I kind of overheard what you were talking about. I find some of that, some of those topics really interesting and I would love to dive more into it with you if you'd be interested in coming in on my show. So that's really how it happened. So again, Nick Schomer, who's the guest on today's show, I met him at that coffee shop. And I think if you guys have known me for a while as well, just through, you know, following me and whatnot, this is very, I guess you could say, on brand with who I am in terms of taking these types of ballsy moves and kind of making decisions like that on the spot instead of overthinking it, especially over the past few years, I've learned that I would just rather ask and then, you know, get a no or something. If you think some weird, you know, I can't control that. But obviously there was alignment. He thought that was really cool. And you guys will be able to tell in this conversation, we had a really great interview slash conversation um, on today's episode. But before we dive into it, I do want to preface and just make notes so no one thinks that, you know, neither of us really caught this. But he had mentioned um, something along the lines of improving 1% every day and then how over a span of year, it's like 356%. And I had like posted a clip and, you know, I like already like knew of that mistake but even for me it has happened many times on this podcast and being a guest on other people's podcasts where I say something and obviously for example 356 he means 365 we get it the numbers are the same but um in the moment sometimes when we're just flowing in the conversation we kind of like mix it up like that so I just wanted to go out and put it because I don't want everyone to go, oh, by the way, did you know he said that in the episode 356 instead of 365 days? So just putting out there, there's a little correction. We all mean 365% better, not 356. And don't come at me with compound interest, you finance bros, because one of my finance friends, um, I call him a finance bro as well, but he was like, does he know about compound? I'm like, shut the fuck up, relax. Um, So anyways, just wanted to put that out there before people are like, oh my God, like someone didn't realize how many days there are in a year. Like we get it. Okay, same thing. But just wanted to say that before we get into the episode. And yeah, anyways, I hope you all enjoy this conversation with a stranger I met at a coffee shop, but obviously turned out really well. So Let's dive into it. I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our success, but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also with ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self-reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like-minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game, to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others as well as ourselves on the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and weekly check-ins with myself and of course when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows. (laughs) Shop the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! Well, Nick Schomer, thank you for joining me today. This is 
going to be a really fun one because where did this all start? From Blue Bottle it Coffee? It started from Blue Bottle. <laughs> for those of you listening who who have listened for a while, like you need to tell this story because it's unlike any other story that I've ever been a part of. Yeah, so this is very much classic me too. Like my personality is very much like this. But two weeks ago, I think, uh, right the week before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I was at Blue Bottle in Tribeca, which is kind of like my classic go-to place to work. And as the shop was wrapping up, I was kind of like wrapping up myself as well. And you were speaking pretty loudly and I was over here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't know I was speaking super loud. Like Like in a good way. Like, you you, you know, you clearly have like confidence in your voice. And I take note in those. And obviously, too, with your background makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I was like you know, kind of tuning in a little bit. And then I heard you say something that caught my attention, which was around, I think some, you know, one of your good friends had asked you advice about how she's approaching her dating. And Mm -hmm. I think you said something about, um, to your friend who was with you, you said like, oh, she's, she's not even like casually dating. She's more like casually sleeping around. (laughs) And that is such a big topic Mm -hmm. I talk about on this because there's such a strong debate, which there's a lot of questions I'll ask you about, um, amongst women my age in like early Mm -hmm. mid twenties who kind of can't figure out, is it too early? Does it actually have an impact? Like the whole psychological effect. Mm -hmm. So I always love to ask guys about this question, but yeah, basically I heard you talk about that and I was like, oh wow, this would be a great conversation for the podcast. So I was like, you know what, let me just ask my audience, do they think I should do this? And so I took a selfie, I posted a poll and I was like, guys, this guy is spitting fire. This is literally verbatim what I said. He's spitting fire about like just why we do what we do, psychology of dating, blah, 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 at this coffee shop. Should I go up to him and ask him to be on my podcast because I'm so tempted to? (laughs) And then within minutes, um, people were like voting yes, 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 yes. Mm. I was like, I waited five minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So then I came up to you. I'm like, hey, sorry. Obviously, I was listening to your conversation, but... I like what you were saying. Would you be interested in being on my show? So that's yes, what happened. That's what happened. And I immediately went and told everyone that I knew because I'm like, this was so right place, right time situation. So I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very serendipitous. Um, but first, let's just start with your background. Share a little bit more of your personal story, like yeah. where you're from. I always love for my audience to get insight on just like who you are, like, you know, yeah. from your childhood days and onward. Yeah. So I'm a Midwest man. So I uh, born and raised uh, in the Wisconsin area so um, even when I was younger it was just very you know suburban go to school get good grades and kind of go from there did everything from sports to Cub Scouts and everything in between and then went to college at University of Wisconsin Green Bay where I studied music and arts management because I knew one way or another I wanted to end up in the arts field uh, in some way shape or form and then Uh, I toured for three years with a children's theater company called Missoula Children's Theater, where we go to new towns and cities all over the United States and audition local kids for a show. We work with them for five days uh, to teach them an entire show, and then they have two shows that weekend, and on Sunday we just pack it up and move on to the next town. So it's literally over and over again in a new uh, city. So for like three years, I was basically just a traveling bard (laughs) of sorts and just teaching kids, and then... Uh, once the pandemic hit, then we kind of all got laid off. And so I went back home and kind of did my own thing for a year, went back with Missoula once we got uh, things going again. And then I've only been in New York now for like a little over two months. Which oh, really? Is cr- yeah. Oh, wait, okay. Me too, actually. Really? Yeah. I've only been here since exactly end of August, like the week before Labor Day weekend. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I guess yeah. three months. I've been here three months, mm-hmm. but... 
Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so you're new to the city. Very new. <laughs> I, I moved here for this Broadway training program that I was accepted into, uh, and that just finished up a few weeks ago. Um, and that was super fun, super rewarding, and now it's just uh, going to auditions and hitting the pavement running and trying to make this whole Broadway thing end up happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was that always something you were interested in as a kid? Like, were you in musicals and plays, like, back in middle school, high school? Or was, or did you have other interests along the way before your path now? I definitely had other interests because when I was a kid, my dream was to be a professional soccer player. I, I loved soccer, and to this day, I still love playing it. But then I got to freshman year of high school, and my and I just didn't like my coach at all. Mm -hmm. Just he he kind of made me dislike the sport, and that it's not what you want in a coach. And so I set my sights elsewhere. But it was eighth grade where my friend was like, "Hey, I'm auditioning for the play. You should come." And I'm like, "Ah, eh, it doesn't really sound like my thing." And he's like, "Worst that can happen is they don't cast you, which was going to happen if you didn't audition anyway. So why not?" Yeah. So I auditioned, and it was a play version of The Hobbit. Okay. okay. And uh, I ended up getting the role. I was just a goblin, but I was one of the only two goblins that got to die in the fight scene. So I was, <laughs> but so that was enough. That was enough to like kind of get me excited about it. And then once I got to high school, I did all the musicals because I was more of a music guy than a just uh, straight up play guy. Okay. But then I started doing the plays uh, later on into high school. But I still didn't think like acting was the career for me. It was always, you know, first it was professional soccer player. Then it was math teacher because I love math. OK, like, it's my, so cool. And then I got big into psychology, which yeah. is going to come into play here today. <laughs> I have a feeling. Um, and then when it came time to go to college, I was like, well, psychology, but music's really, you know. So I auditioned for the music program, got in and the rest is history. Yeah. Did you have any struggles, especially maybe with like parents or peers in terms of pursuing this career path, especially because it's not, you know, conventional, it's yeah. harder to make it, that kind of thing. And if so, what were you telling yourself mentally? Like any advice for those that kind of have that difficulty, you know, oh, yeah. for pursuing this path? I mean, everyone's going to have pressure when you go into the arts and you try. When you say out loud to people, I'm going to be an actor. It, it, it elicits one of two responses. It elicits the, yes, you go for it, shoot for the moon, achieve your dreams. Yeah. You get that side, but then you also get the side of, okay, and you just feel the trepidation in their voice when they say that. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it always, and then you get the silent judgment from those around you who wish they had that drive mm -hmm. for them to actually make it work, and they're the ones that end up making you feel bad the most. Yeah because they know how to just get to you when in reality they're the ones that their opinions matter the very least yeah. because at least you're out here doing it, mm -hmm. you know? And so with my family, my mom, she's always been super supportive. I immediately when I told her I was going to school for music, she's like, I can't wait to see you on Broadway someday. Aww. And I'm like, okay, mom, one step at a time. <laughs> um, but then I could tell my dad was a little more, worried uh and my entire freshman year of college he was still trying to push me to get like a psychology minor or something because he's like i know you love psychology like why you know why don't you just get a minor or something in that so that way you still have options and stuff but i threw all my chips into the arts basket and so far it's paid off but i understand where his fear was because he's just looking out for me because he's he's an engineer so obviously Obviously, we're always going to need engineers, so he's always got a job. 
Um, and with me, it's it's a roll of the dice, but I'm making it work. Right. So do you have any advice for those who struggle with that? Like any, um, you know, any like affirmations or tips that you just recommend in terms of what to tell yourself, how to set yourself up where you can not uh, notice or pay attention mm-hmm. to that outside noise? The One of the best things that I got told uh, when I actually came to New York back in 2016 to do a like week long intensive was I was told that there is a CD that is playing in our heads. That CD has a lot of different tracks on it, whether that is, you know, what pumps you up and what makes you excited or what kind of tears you down and makes you feel like imposter syndrome kind of a thing. And so the thing that I was told is that if you just work to be 1% better every single day, that's 356% better than you were a year ago. And so that's the thing. It's a lot like working out. You're not going to see results after one workout. You're not going to see results after one voice lesson, one acting class, one dance class, anything like that. You're going to also, unfortunately, get told no more times than you're going to get told yes, obviously. But to me, that just makes the yes when it does happen, it makes it so much sweeter and so much more weight is put onto that. And so the biggest thing is just, baby steps take that one percent every day and just and just keep working on yourself and also just know that you have more people around you that should be supporting you and if they're not supporting you then don't be afraid don't be afraid to like let let people fall off a little bit because you are in like this business will if you're not ready for it it'll chew you up and spit you back out and it does not care you know but if you find the right network of people the right friends especially in in a city like this then you're going to be just fine and you just need to keep at it and not let things get to you yeah i love that you said the one percent better everyday aspect because that's something not only i utilize myself but i tell my listeners all the time is especially with working out right i Mm. think that's the biggest habit that people struggle with like keeping consistent and for me you know walking around in new york city it's like so much easier if i didn't get a workout in at the very (laughs) least i'm like all right i'm I'm gonna get ten thousand steps in because i walk everywhere right so that's still one percent better rather than sitting on my couch being sad that i you know woke up too late missed a workout Mm -hmm. now i feel behind where where i could reframe it and being like you know um, at the very least, I'll just walk all day today, maybe not take the subway and mm-hmm. leave a little earlier. And, you know, that's still 1% better right. in relation to, you know, my physique, whatever. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that mindset. Mm-hmm. That's um, definitely really good. But I think we can uh, pivot into some advice okay. and psychology stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know, I, I think the you had mentioned on our phone call the whole... Um, you had a friend and it was about like night st- one night stands and you know the whole question like why does he stop texting me and all of that and i think that yeah. was actually the same story if i'm not mistaken that you had you were talking to with your friend i think so honestly shop. now that i think about it, it i think it was like the same very similar and yeah. that was what caught my attention mm-hmm. um can you can we like dive into that and yes. kind of um i guess break it down a little bit mm-hmm. so can you explain like what your friend was asking you in terms of your advice from an a male perspective? Yeah, so she she was telling me about all these um, all these times when she would you know meet a guy, 
things would happen, you know, immediately. And then you, and then they just wouldn't talk anymore or like he would stop texting or, or she would stop texting and all this. And so she asked me why certain, like why a specific guy that she had done stuff with um, wasn't texting back. Mm -hmm. And so I told her, I'm like, well, guys can tell when you're the type that just, that just goes from one guy to the next, yeah. you know? And it's not even, like, that's not even serial dater, okay? That's just serial one-night stand. Yes, that's exactly yeah. the terminology. Like, <laughs> that's when I was like, oh. Yeah, that's all it is. It, it's, guys can so tell when you are interested in them for more than just what they can give you for one evening versus what they can offer you for like a long-term thing. And so I told her, you're not, you're not putting out to the universe that you want someone long-term. And she's told me that she hasn't. So then that's when I have to only respond with, well, then why are you surprised? Yeah. And, you know, and because of that, she has it in her head that she is this amazing person who anyone would want to be with. When in reality, the only people that want to be with her, can I swear on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Okay, the only people that want to be with her are fuckboys. Yeah. And so, but she's, that shocked her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's why you have to put out a version of yourself that will then in return get what you want. If what you want is just one night stands, then that's all you're going to get because subconsciously that's the energy you're putting out. And plus she goes, she, you know, she has a restaurant job, so she'll go to work. She won't get done with work until like 11 or midnight sometimes. And then she'll stay out till all hours of the night. She won't go to sleep until 6 a.m., you know, and that's fine if you're a night owl, you know, whatever. But when when you're living that nightlife, especially in a city, that is, that's what's going to happen. You know, the long term, the people that want stuff long term are kind of the nine to five people. You know, they're the ones that wake up, get their cup of coffee in the morning, go to work, come back home, you know, maybe, yeah, get a workout in, do whatever 1% daily thing that they need to do, and then do it all again the next day and do stuff on the weekends versus what she does, which is just kind of chaotic and spur of the moment and whatever you want off the top of your head, which is fine. Live your life. But then, you know, there's not consequences, but there's cause and effect. Yes. You know, and like so, don't be surprised right. that those are the type of guys you attract. Right. Right. You're going out and going to these dance clubs, these nightclubs. Mm -hmm. And who do you think is there at two and three in the morning? The people that just want a bed for the night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. Yeah. And so she was she was surprised. And and she also says that, like, she like really likes this one guy mm -hmm. who uh, I'm pretty sure actually spent the night because I'm pretty sure I heard one morning <laughs> I heard her say his name. But um, but I'm not sure. So I don't want to put that out there if it's incorrect. But I think that she has now finally connected with the guy that she does want something long-term with. Okay. So hopefully he is not scared off by her past. Okay. So I am curious, and many girls are curious, and I will preface. So there's this um, famous TikToker content creator who has kind of blown up over the past year. Her name is Tinks, T-I-N-X. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of her. But she's, I think, 30 or 31 and has somehow become this 
dating advice influencer to women around my age okay. um, young 20s mid 20s even late 20s and perhaps 30s around her age mm-hmm. and she has this thing called her box theory and it's like this infamous box theory where she believes that men will put you in three different types of boxes you you are either in the box where they just want to sleep with you they want to pursue something with you like dating relationships uh-huh. or they want nothing to do with you and or like just be friends type of thing interesting right? interesting and, yeah. that she says that those last two are the same box because i would think that those are two completely different boxes whether you want to be friends with someone or not have anything to do with them yeah. to me that's two different boxes but that's interesting okay yeah, yeah. so maybe maybe i'm wording uh, yeah something along those lines or maybe i've decided the whole like nothing to do with you romantically, romantically. Yes. that makes sense um and so i guess i'm curious uh, definitely an audience wanted to know your your thoughts on this theory slash so the reason why she said this theory is because hmm. she thinks for that reason it doesn't matter at what point you sleep with a guy it could be a first date uh, or it could be a fifth date <laughs> but because there's this okay. box theory no matter at what point you sleep with them if they only want to sleep with you then um it didn't matter if you already slept with them, but if they did want to pursue a relationship with you or maybe wanted something more, it didn't matter that you slept with them maybe after the first date because the connection's going strong, whatever, sexual tension, all of that. You know, We know that happens, but sometimes people realize like, shit, I like this guy or I like this girl. Um, from a guy's perspective, what are your thoughts? I, okay, I, I, like, I like the theory. Um, I'm going to amend it though, and instead of calling it boxes, I'm going to call it um, an ID theory. Okay. Because I think depending on where the guy is and what he's doing, that will dictate which of those boxes or which of those IDs he's carrying. Okay. So for so let's use my friend as an example. The guys that are out at those nightclubs, they have the ID of, yes, I'm just looking to get some. You know, they're they're not I don't believe that you are trying to find something long term if you're out at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. and just at a nightclub or a dance club partying, partying. That's, you know, I could be wrong, but, you know, at least at least in those settings, at least like in you're, those you're settings. not going to yeah, find yeah, yeah. you're not you're not going there to look for someone long term in that setting. Right. That's yeah. just it. Mm-hmm. And so then when it comes to, you know, the the relationship box. I mean, that to me would be more of the like dating sites for some because every dating site now has sort of a connotation to it, right? So Tinder is generally speaking where you hook up. The ones like Bumble and Hinge I've seen are the ones that are more of the serious type ones. Um, But then you have the specific ones like Farmers Only, Christian Mingle, like all these other ones. What they don't have is they don't just have a website where people can like chat and be friends. So because of that, you have a lot of people on those kinds of dating sites, Bumble and Hinge, Mm -hmm. that are only looking for friends. And then that, personally, anytime I see that on the site, it's like I'm a little disappointed, especially if I do find the person attractive. Because it's like, okay, well, you're not looking for anything more. So already... We've been put in a box. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you put yourself on a dating app and say, oh, I just looking for friends. Mm-hmm. Well, now that clicks in our minds too. what you want. And if we don't, it has to match up. Yeah. So my box and ID has to match your box and ID. And if yeah. it doesn't, 
anger is going to happen, resentment's going to happen, and that's not a good way to get things started. Right. So I guess let's start it off with this part of the question. Do you think it does matter at what point a woman sleeps with a man? And can you break it down? In, in like, terms, yeah. in terms of, that's tough. That's really tough because, personally, no. Because if it's if it's the right person, yeah. I'm going to be more concerned about connecting with them in other ways first. Even though physicality is important to me, also, it's still gonna. It's not gonna matter to me if it's. I've always said if it's the right person. I want to have sex with them before I get married just in right. case it is awful right. <laughs> because <that's> a, <laughs> totally, I don't totally. want a bad sex life if I'm yeah, married. Yeah. But I but I always said if the person is literally perfect mm-hmm. and but she's wait till marriage, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, because then at that point I'm then I'm guaranteeing myself that I am in it for not just that. But that actually brings up a good point that I thankfully wrote down and I'm remembering right now. Um, When it comes to, um, when it comes to having all these like criteria that like men and women look for in each other, right? The problem is, especially with men, is that whenever we see a woman who we're interested in, Mm -hmm. we immediately jump to the ideal versus reality. You see it all the time in movies and in literature. Tom Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Tom Sawyer hanging with his friends. All of a sudden, this girl Becky moves into town. Mm-hmm. He immediately jumps up on a fence and starts balancing. Mm-hmm. He immediately starts to show off. Show off, quote unquote. What people would call showing off. When in reality, all he is trying to do is what men do all the time. Mm-hmm. We are trying to... And I'm going to pull up my notes yes, so I can specifically <laughs> so I can specifically get what I was absolutely putting down here. But yes, hops up on a fence and he starts showing that his balance, yeah. the, you know, that. And what what I think women don't understand is that men are trying everything that they can to quote kneel before the eternal image of the feminine and try to make themselves worthy, which is where chivalry came into the matter, uh-huh. right? And so because of that, and there's this like famous, there's this famous picture of, I think, uh, the, the goddess Venus. And she uh, is like, she has her hands out like this. And in each hand, there's two different words. In one, there is threat. And in one, there's promise, right? And a relationship is like that because there's the promise of hope mm-hmm. and happiness and everything that comes with that. But then there's the threat of anxiety and of pain on the other hand, right? And you have to have both in a relationship because that's what a relationship is. At any moment it can crumble, but it can also be the happiest thing that you ever do. And so there's so much, and all of that in that picture is born out of this chaotic like dragon that's down in the corner. So chaos, so out of chaos comes the ideal woman. But as men, what will cause us to have a good relationship is to, as soon as you meet the person and are actually getting to know them, the more you can replace the ideal with the actual person, the better of a connection you will have. Because there is no such thing as the ideal person, man or woman. Right. And we have to accept that, and men have a hard time accepting that. Okay, so from a guy's perspective, if you were to advise a woman on her, just the best approach to that in terms of like, 
showing that reality and, and not being scared of actually mm. showcasing who she actually is so that, you know, you can honestly cut the bullshit earlier, whether you right. align or not. Like, what's your advice for a woman when it comes to that early part of dating? Just be honest. Yeah. Like, quite frankly, I know that sounds like <laughs> that sounds super just like, oh, like, why didn't I think of that before? Right, right. But I was I was actually on a date recently and I was telling her why like you know I go out on like multiple dates first with someone before I consider us like either exclusive or dating and it's because in the past I've you know I've either jumped the gun too early or you haven't learned everything that you needed to know or what have you and so she loved the fact that I was being so emotionally open with her and telling her about what has happened in the past which is why I'm trying to avoid it this time she very much appreciated that. And so I think that if a girl did that to a guy, if he's truly interested, he will hear that and he will take note of that and he will actually do he will actually take it at the speed at which she is suggesting. Right. And if he's not, and if he then after that date like ghosts her or whatever, mm -hmm. then he wasn't clearly looking for the same thing. And then again, you now don't have the awkward mixed bag of boxes right, theory. Right. <laughs> and then now you can just be like, okay. Even uh -huh. if you really liked him. Mm -hmm. Even if you really were like, oh, maybe there's something here kind of mm -hmm. So would you say, kind of going back to the yes. whole um, sleeping, uh, like at what point you sleep with someone, would you say that kind of also applies then to, let's say, if someone, you know, goes out on a first date with someone and maybe they were talk texting a little bit, let's say, let's say they met on an app or they had mm -hmm. met previously out on a night out, whatever, but then they officially formally went on a date, yeah. right? So yeah, they yeah. kind of know each other, but not fully yet. And maybe there was a lot of like sexual tension there and they end up sleeping together on that first date. Do you think that... Like, like, is there any kind of suggestion for women to think about? Because again, that that is literally, it's mainly everyone's curious, like, does does it make me look like a slut for sleeping with him no. on the first date? Right, so it doesn't make you look like a slut, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, um, if, because you did say that there was, in this hypothetical situation, we are adding sexual tension in Yeah. There. If sexual tension is added in there, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with sleeping on the first date necessarily. But I also think, though, that, again, one should not be surprised at the outcome then. Okay. If it mm. does quickly end. Mm, I like because that. Because as much as there was sexual tension, that sexual tension was born out of the mystery. Right? Mm -hmm. And so now there was no mystery. You literally solved the case. You know? You unveiled the ghost and it was just the old prospector. You know? Right. So right. there was no... There was no, there was no dance. There was no, you know, there was nothing of that. It was literally just, and you know, fine. You can talk in text and stuff. But personally, I will not send more than like 10 messages back and forth with someone before asking them out. Right. Because I would much rather get, see you in person, get to know who you are, be able to communicate with you and to, to uh, just read your body language, read uh, what you're saying, read your tone, see how many times you're checking your phone during the date, yes. which yes. for me has always been a, okay, the more times they're checking their phone, the least interested they are. Yeah. And if that's the case, then call it early. Mm -hmm. Call the date early and just, mm -hmm. you know, go. Yeah. Um, that's super funny. I'm curious what you think about this. So I heard, um, I think this was from this guy named 
Matthew Hussey. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, oh, maybe. Is he the guy? Does he have, uh, he has those seminars, right? Yeah, and I think yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. technically a relationship dating yes, advice guy. I've seen many um, of his videos, actually. Yeah, on YouTube. And so I guess something he had mentioned, and I watched it recently, and I was kind of, um, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of makes sense. But he basically talks about how, you know, the way you attract someone initially um, in order to keep them, basically, it's it's ideal to have like two almost uh, what's it called? Like it's almost like a like being a paradox almost where let's say you're a gentleman, but then you're also really seductive in a way or something. Right. Does that kind of um, I don't know. Oh, to, yes. No, no. You yeah. want to show you want to show that you have levels. Right. You don't want to show that you're just if you're one dimensional, they're going to tune out right away. Right. You have to show that. You know, whether that's um, your interests, you know, because yeah. don't just have don't just tell them about one set of interests. Yeah. OK, if you're going to talk sports, that's fine. Talk about sports. But then don't just keep talking about sports. Yeah. You know, yeah. give them that second. Um, give them the second, the third, you know, let them think other things, too. But I but I do like that. It's that you because that's, again, where the mystery comes from. If you give them one thing, you now have told them in their minds you are a one-trick pony. Mm -hmm. Versus if you give them even two things, mm -hmm. then the mind goes, well, what's, what else is there? Right. You know, the mind does not go two-trick pony because there's no such thing. <laughs> you know? All yeah. that does is it, it encourages them to want to get to know you even more and see what else you have going on in yourself. Right. So... What, how, how do we dance around that in, in kind of, so I think there's also this fear that some people go, well, if a guy, you know, didn't like me because we slept together on the first date and he only put the value on sleeping with me, then he wasn't the right guy for me anyways, right? But I even, you know, I agree with that. However, I also agree with you where I think you, you have to show, um, honestly, as a woman, like what else do you bring to the table, right? Besides that, and you have to bring that mystery and show that, you know, keep them interested. Oh, yeah. Do you have any advice on, or your thoughts? Because again, I know you're into that psychological aspect on on if if someone does sleep together on the first date, yeah, how, how you to can keep, keep them, them keep them interested, Ooh. or just in general. So yeah, maybe with that scenario, but then also in general, what have you noticed that has been really attractive as a like for women when they do this and they keep you kind yes. of without playing games? Right. Too? Here's here's my advice to that is. When it comes to the first date, um, first of all, never have a first date at someone's apartment. Mm -hmm. Like how? Like I'm sorry, <laughs> you're dumb as a rock yes. if you think that that if someone's like, "Hey, let's just hang out at my place," like you know what's gonna happen, yep. okay? Or yep. you know what they're going to try to do, yes, okay? Again, if you if that's all you want, then fine, do it. Yeah. But if you're looking for something long term, go and have a do an activity where talking to each other is the main focus. Yeah. So whether that's a walk in the park, whether that's a cup of coffee, whether that's anything like that, that's the best place to get a first date out of the way. Because now you're talking, now you're feeling out that chemistry that you have together in conversation, which is obviously way different than text conversation because now you can't think about what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. Everything you say now is going to be off the cuff to what is already on your mind anyway. Right. So... It's a little bit of pressure, especially if you're shy mm -hmm. at first at meeting someone, but you have to do it. Yeah. You know, you can't, if you are shy, you, eventually you're going to have to talk to someone, yeah. you know? And so that's my advice. And, and also don't have it be too long. Okay. A first date should not, for me, shouldn't go over two and a half hours. Okay. You know? Why is that? Because 
if because then it can drag in my experience if i feel like it can drag too much then for me the perfect idea of like a first date is an hour to two hours at like just grabbing coffee yeah you know sitting sipping a beverage you know because not only that going to a place like a coffee place um right off the bat don't do dinner the first time dinner and and also i would argue um that first dates should be again about getting to know each other so pay separately interesting both people should pay separately unless okay Unless one person specifically says in their text exchange when they're setting this up, I would like to take you to blank. If they say that, that is implied that they are taking you and paying for you. Yeah. Okay. However, don't just so great. However, (laughs) because I've been like I've had this happen before. Do not assume that that means they're paying for you. Yeah. Right. Because. If the date is going horribly at the end of the meal, the coffee, whatever, when the bill comes, you will get your answer of whether or not the person wants to see you again. Right. Because if they wanted to take you somewhere and then the bill comes and they instantly grab for it, you're in the clear. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. But if they at that point then say, oh, can you split that? You now have your other answer. Right. You know? Now that, and again... All of this is not to assume the worst, but there's a trend. It's it's all connected. So only, you know, something small your first date where you're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Second date, do an activity, okay? Like whether that's um, going to see, you know, going to see a Broadway show, going to a comedy club. Mm -hmm. Um, Do something where you're sharing the activity and not necessarily getting to know someone further. Because the activity will now tell you more about the person. Okay. In what way? For instance, if you, uh, if when you're talking about seeing each other a second time, if someone suggests, hey, there's this comedian uh, that uh, is coming to town, chances are, A, they're telling you that because they like that comedian or they like that show or they like this activity. Mm -hmm. So, boom, you now know that. Then you go and see the show, the comedian, the activity. And you now see, let's say you go like rock climbing or something together. You see now, okay, not only does this person like rock climbing specifically, but in the grand scheme of things, this person likes to stay active. Mm-hmm. They like the outdoors. Yeah. They uh, are okay. They uh, clearly like care about their um, health mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Comedy club, they love to laugh. Yeah. Uh, if it's a specific comedian, you can listen to their material as they're saying it, and you're like, okay, this is kind of how this person thinks. Yes, yes. Which is huge. Yeah. Um, Broadway <laughs> show is what kind of stories do they like to hear? What kind of uh, entertainment do they enjoy, you know? That will tell you a lot, and I think that that, again, sets you up for the third date. Every date sets you up for the next one, mm-hmm. If you just, but you just got to know how to connect those dots. Right. Okay, so you mentioned about paying, and especially on the first one, mm-hmm. paying separately unless certain things are noted, and there's like that body language where, let's say, the guy, you know, clearly wants to pay for the coffee, yes. whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this one is something that women struggle with as well, is kind mm-hmm. of figuring out like how many, like, should a guy continue to pay? Like, let's say he did pay for the first right. date, should he pay for the second and third one? And mm-hmm. again, this is like from a guy's perspective, mm-hmm. so I'm curious what you think. Well, in the interest of equality, um, no, no, uh, no. So, personally, I 
I used to be the kind of guy that, okay, like if I'm asking a girl out, like I'm, I always would pay, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that Matt guy even said in one of his videos, if a guy doesn't offer to pay for the first date, he wasn't raised right. But if a woman expects the guy to pay on the first date, then she wasn't raised right. I, okay, I agree you know? with that. I agree with that so statement. So a woman should not expect the guy to pay, but a guy should not have to pay. If that makes sense. So, and again, it's it's all contextual. Oh, I see. So you shouldn't yeah. have to, but he should want to. If he, he wants, should, well, he should not should, but like. Right. There should be, again, that chivalrous part of him where he should be prepared to do it. Yeah. You know, because, because of how society is currently still is that, again, I would say, I would say, oh, again, this is just an estimation. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say 90% of the time a guy asks a girl out. Right. You know. Every now and then you'll hear about a girl who asked a guy out, but it's once in a blue moon. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so that's, I think, where some of it comes from also. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it, it's, it's, up to, it's up to them when they are talking about it. Like if someone says, I want to take you to this place or I want to treat you yeah. or thing, you know, using that language versus, hey, let's go someplace or let's let's – Let's grab a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. okay? If that's the language, then I would say that's expected that you each just pay separately. Right. You know? Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. because, like I said, a first date is getting to know that person mm-hmm. however you want, whether that is at a coffee shop emotionally or in the bedroom physically. Right, right. Okay, so I have two other questions that the audience asked, and I guess... <laughs> Relating to finances as well, it's funny, um, but someone had asked, what are your thoughts on when men and women are married mm-hmm. and in regards to finances, is it a man's duty? Duty? <laughs> uh, um, okay. It's not, well, I would say it's not his duty, but I will say this. If you want a family dynamic where like you're going to have kids, raise a family and stuff, and you... Like I've always said, I don't mind being a stay-at-home husband. Mm-hmm. Like if like I don't mind if my wife is the breadwinner, I'm completely fine with that mm-hmm. as long as she's okay with me being the stay-at-home husband. Right. And that's where a lot of I think the tension comes mm-hmm. is that one one person either doesn't want to be a stay-at-home parent or feels like they're not contributing enough. And if that's the case, then a lot of resentment ends up happening that shouldn't even be there, right. you know. And so, wh- whether it's a man's duty to <laughs> uh, to you know, that to me suggests that so sh- she just should stay home and do nothing. So it's funny because you know? I think like, this, I, I, this maybe I'm yeah maybe I'm confused on I, yeah, I think the word duty. The, I think in the this word case. duty was like I think she didn't really mean duty, but it's so funny because I know this is actually a friend of mine, but mm-hmm. she's actually someone that has always paid actually for majority of her dates that's where her and i have had conversations too where we've always wondered um because i think all my friends and i a lot of us kind of are very career oriented Mm -hmm. we've um you know been able to we never had to expect a guy to pay or like come into a date hoping he would pay right Right. in fact i've been in college before where i've heard girls in my previous sorority they'd be like yeah i hopped on hinge i'm going on a date to get free dinner and to me (sighs) that would irk me So much because it puts Mm -hmm. a really bad image on, you know, women like myself and my Mm -hmm. friends where it's like we can 
easily pay not only pay for ourselves but mm-hmm. pay the whole fucking tab that's what you know um, many of my friends many of my female friends in college literally joined those apps purely for compliments purely to yeah. see look how many guys think i'm attractive yeah and all i could think i'm like okay not only is that completely shallow mm-hmm. because yes these women were attractive right but why do you need complete strangers to validate that you yeah. know you're attractive you know you're gorgeous why are you why are you doing this yeah it just seemed like it was so to me it was sad right i i sad. personally agree with that yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess basically I, th- I think it's, it's so, especially with today's culture, it's so hard to kind of tell, you know, what people's perspective is on mm-hmm. the paying aspect and, yeah. and if, if one does too much, one does too little, that kind of thing. So I actually on, uh, on a different podcast, uh, someone brought that up on, or either that or it was on a, um, am I the asshole, like mm-hmm. a Reddit thread or something right. where, um, this guy was, he was seeing someone and she didn't make as much as him mm-hmm. and they were going on this vacation and he wanted them to split it evenly, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's where, uh, I think that's where a lot of problems also arise. It's okay. like, okay, you can't expect, um, like went on a date, I've been on a few dates with this one girl and she, uh, she's like the head of her own consulting firm. Right. Okay. And so clearly she's financially well off, right. you know? And, you know, I live on a budget, you know? Right, totally. And so, but she thankfully understands that mm-hmm. and is not expectant of me to to meet her halfway, literally 50-50. Right. Because that's not, you, you shouldn't do that. I'm also not saying that you should, like, work out all the ratios and, like, do the <laughs> math and everything, too, right, because right. that's almost, like, too much. Yeah. But... In that case, I feel like it's a contribute what you can. Yeah. Because yep. that will mean the world to the other person. Yeah. You know, even if it is only a little bit, that doesn't matter. A little right. bit goes a long way. One of my things that I actually wrote down here was all about like sympathy. Yeah. Right. And how sympathy can go such a long way mm-hmm. in a relationship in the terms of like, you know, husband comes home from work and mm-hmm. uh, and she asks him like, like how like how are you like oh she like she can tell that he's down you right. know, and instead of asking oh like what's wrong, like, don't do that. You're already coming at a that's 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 the wrong way to approach it. Mm. Rather than what should be done, which is like, hey, like you, you know, you look like you've had a really long day and I'm, I'm, you've been working your butt off. Like, can I, can I make you anything? Like yeah. what, you know, what can I do to like cheer you up? Because then you're more likely to have your partner than be like, oh, it's, you know what, it's nothing. But hey, you know what, let me take you out to dinner, you know? Yeah. Sympathy begets more sympathy in that case, mm-hmm. you know? And I think with the paying thing too, it's like, don't like... So yes, in that respect, I don't think it's a a man's duty to be the head of the household mm-hmm. like breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be able to work and yeah. do what they want to do and feel fulfilled in what they want to do because mm-hmm. that's another big thing. You'll see in relationships where, you know, someone'll have a again that the same guy like the higher paying job versus the lower paying job. Yeah. Don't 
you can't hate on that lower paying job. You right. can't. She's doing what she wants to do. Right. And if the roles were switched, you wouldn't want her being like, hmm, I make more money than you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like that's, exactly. That's added tension that you just don't need. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good breakdown, too, of kind of looking at it like, you know, contribute what you can. Yeah. And then especially for women out there, in, in my perspective, I think we, you know, with today's culture, we should go in. I like the chivalry aspect. I do like mm. a little bit of the traditional aspect of a guy you know being raised well like you kind yeah. of mentioned you know knowing yeah. like hey you know like my mom always taught my older brother like open her door for prom and you know we yeah. paid for her prom ticket that's kind of so I the grew- corsage <laughs> <laughs> exactly and so and i grew up in a very small town in pennsylvania mm-hmm. so um but i i always looked at that as like i like that but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean like you you want to come in with like maybe wanting or prefer that but mm-hmm. not needing it and those are two different my mom she speaking of homecoming and stuff i was seeing Back in junior year of high school, I was seeing this uh, this girl for like two weeks and homecoming was like the next week. Yeah. And I told my mom, I'm like, well, you know, te- uh, I'll just I'll say her name. Uh, Tess and I, uh, I'm going to go to t- prom with Tess or uh, I'm going to go to homecoming with Tess. And my mom's like, well, have you asked her? And I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're dating like it's implied. And she's like, oh, no, it's not. And that's when I learned. Yeah, that's when that's, that's when it good. first started clicking for me that I'm like, oh, you're right. And so like, and thank goodness I did because she at first wanted to go with her friends. But then once I asked her, she's like, yeah, let's like, I'd love to be your date and stuff. So it worked out. So my mom saved me there. Yeah. So, you know, listen to your mothers. Okay. (laughs) Gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, speaking of communication, I, something else too, I think a lot of women struggle with is, is not playing games and knowing how to be honest and be mm-hmm. direct. But sometimes we're mm-hmm. like, is this too direct? Is this too open? Any advice on that for communication? And because, I, again, I think some people think men are yeah. mind readers. And I've learned no. as I've gone older, like, no. just tell them. Because Ladies. half the time, you guys are just as scared as the shit that we're scared about, no, right? that's the thing. <laughs> men are terrified of women and you don't yeah ladies you don't understand how terrified it's in my notes it's right here fear of rejection yeah men are terrified that you're gonna say no okay and so i looked up this like study uh, in these like men's groups where they're like trying to get over their fear of rejection Mm -hmm. and on the first day they would have guys go out and ask 50 women for their phone numbers you know, not again, not in any sort of weird way, just so that they could get practice of yep. talking to someone out of yep. nowhere, you know. And the whole reason for that was if you're constantly faced with rejection, you're not going to be afraid of it. Yep. You know, you're not going to fear it. It's like me in the theater business. It's like you get rejected way more. And so now I'm rejection to me is a no. It's no big deal mm-hmm. because it's like, OK, fine. Like. You know what you're you know what you bring to the table. Yep. If someone doesn't see that, move on. Yeah. You know? Even if that is just going up to a random stranger and asking for their phone number. But yeah. when, ladies, we are terrified. Yes. We are terrified of you, okay? As well we should be, because you are all amazing human beings. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> the things you are able to do is astonishing to us. And so we as men are just trying to get your attention in the stupidest ways possible, right, right. but we're trying. Yeah. We're trying hard. Yeah. So basically, I mean, you would say for women out there, if they have the inkling to text you or text that guy, they mm-hmm. should just go for it and they not. They should. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you can definitely gauge off of them a little bit, especially if you know them first and then like you're trying to start something. Yeah. Always try and gauge the situation, see yeah, see what kind of texture they are. Are are they playful? And then the biggest thing, 
if you're going to meet someone on a site or if you're going to get to know someone like via texting first, make sure you're the same person in person. Yeah. Nothing upsets me more than when someone is playful and complimentative and all these things over texts. Yeah. And then in person, <laughs> they're just as scared as all get out. It's like, well, you can't hide behind your screen. Right. You know? Right. I think there was a movie all about that years ago. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like, um, like I, I forget what it was called, but like, it's literally about this person who's two different people. Like, wow, they're one person sucks. online and then they're one. <laughs> but that's society, though. Yeah. Societally speaking, like, we, uh, we show a side of ourselves online that's very different from the side of us that's, you know, that's in person. Yeah. You know, we're much more willing to make large statements online. We're much more willing to, like, do all these, like, in, unfortunately, like, hurtful things yeah. online that we would, like, not do to anyone's face yep. if they were in front of us. Yeah. So, yeah, ladies, just, you know, be direct. Yeah. And again... You know, if you do like the guy, you don't have to ask him out necessarily. Yeah. But there are nuggets you can drop. Yeah. You know, there are little things that you can do to let him know yeah. that you are interested. Because he can't just read that. No. Right? Everyone's like, oh, he should no. be able to tell. Like, I used to yeah. think that. And I started oh, I text him every yeah. day. Why doesn't he, like, ask me out? It's like, because he probably texts a lot of people every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're, you know, again, not romantically speaking, yep, exactly. but like, you know. in work and everything. Right. Yep. So, you in order to stand out, you have to do a little, you have to, you have to throw in that heart emoji. Yeah. You, know? you have to throw in that compliment. Yeah. You have to somehow indirectly find out what that love language of his is yeah. that he likes to, that he likes to hear, you know, do that or something, you know? Yeah. You have to do that. I agree. Um, let's see. Two more questions mm -hmm. from the audience. Someone asked how to trust a relationship slash how to build trust with others despite past trauma. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's, oh, that is so layered because yeah. I've thought about that a lot where unfortunately we all have, we all have past trauma. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, when you are getting to know someone and they say like, I've been hurt before. We've all been hurt before. Right. Like at this stage in our lives, like, you know, late 20s, early 30s, everyone's got pain. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got that baggage. They did a whole episode of How I Met Your Mother on it. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's not a matter of necessarily like changing everything about you because of said baggage, mm -hmm. you know, because when I hear from people that they you know, oh, I used to do this, but then because of some past stuff, I no longer do this, even though that thing was such a positive thing, mm -hmm. you know? And so you have to sort of pick and choose the things that you are going to change right. based on your trauma and the things that aren't, that the, the, the things that you know are good qualities that your future significant other will actually like love and actually give you the appreciation for it that mm -hmm. past people didn't. Mm -hmm. And it's what sucks though is that you feel like you're punishing the current person or people that you're talking to right because you're at least that's how i feel you know where when i'm talking to someone it's like okay i know how i've been burned in the past so i need to avoid that even though what helped me in the past was you know being this being whoever it was and now having to like change that about me it's like I feel like you're not, you almost feel like you're not being yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So just stay true to who you are. Keep 
keep the values that you that are important Mm -hmm. keep your you know keep your standards you know because everybody has different standards and what they're looking for and Mm -hmm. everything keep all that and yeah have the baggage along for the ride but know that eventually the right person is going to help you carry that baggage rather than add to it that's a good one They'll, they'll help you carry it yeah um, another one that I don't know if you'd have insight on, but maybe <laughs> would be curious. I'm still curious to ask okay. you. Someone wants to know why do men wait so long to propose? No, I know. Here's Ooh, no, okay. no, oh my this, right, no, no. Right. So because here, here's what I've been hearing too is that so one of my one of my newest friends who I met in the Polar Express cast, uh, his name's Brad, and he just got he just got engaged to his girlfriend. So we all were like super excited and everything like that. But he's been he's been with her for seven years okay and i heard that and i'm like what yeah <laughs> personally i think and again this is just me yeah. but i think that after a year with someone you if you're comfortable start talking about moving in together mm-hmm. and again that's if you want to live with the person before you're married right which i mean you should want to because because right. again you can spend an entire week at someone's apartment, but that's not the same as yeah. living with someone. I agree. You know? And so after a year, you start talking about, you know, joining forces that way. And after two years, you better be getting a ring. Right. Personally. Okay. Like, so for me, from starting to see each other to, to married, personally would not be more than three years. Oh, wow. When okay. all, when it all when adults because like you start again start thinking of ring there or i guess four because then you need that year to to plan the wedding so yeah but these these guys that i hear who are upwards of five six seven eight nine years with these with these ladies and they just haven't proposed it's like what are you waiting for right if you like are like what are you what are you hoping to see what are you hoping to hear to like like or That's true. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand those those rare cases where it's like high school sweethearts, yeah, and then you want to wait till after college to to yeah. get married. Fine, you know what? If you get together junior year of high school and then you do those two years and then four years of college, so you're together six years before pop the question. Fine, yeah, but why? Right. What's your? I need to. You know what? Because I, I want to turn this on you a little yeah. bit here. Um, because I'm curious, as as a woman. When are you thinking he's he needs to start thinking of putting a ring on it? Right. So it's funny because so I'm 24, but I dated someone all four years of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at the time, you know, we definitely thought about we might end up together. Right. Um, but even that being said, I remember I, <laughs> it's funny because I used to tell him I was like, yeah, you know, if we're together, I'm not getting married till after 30. I'm, oh, interesting. I, okay, I, so that but that's I've interesting changed to my me. mind about that now. I am very oh, okay, much yeah. Okay. So I'm now like oh I. <laughs> I know. I said that when I was like 21. Wow. I'm like, yeah, we got like nine yep. years to go. Yep. Um, but th- th- with that being said, I used to think I used to be very judgmental about people that got married in less than two years. Interesting. But now I'm not either because one of my close friends from Pennsylvania ended up meeting mm-hmm. someone in, in uh, France. And now they got married and, and get all that in, wow. le- in, le- in a year span or less than a year. And now they Ooh. have a kid and now she lives in France and she's probably getting her and they're happily happily together yeah okay see and those and so I I opened my mind up to that as well so I see both sides Mm -hmm. um I I think I've always been kind of like I think a good sweet spot is probably like three to five years um but I think yeah definitely like if you if you can't 
tell if you're going to marry this person by yeah. three years latest, mm-hmm. then I think you kind of, you, you got to gotta, gotta pick, pick it. At least yeah. even if you're going to, if you think you're going to be together, then mm-hmm. have that conversation that you right. should be having that conversation by then. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know, but especially mm-hmm. now, I think it depends too. If you're in college, it's different. It's a different yeah. conversation when, than when you're 25, 26, 27. Right. And I think that, and even, even I would say after three years, if you're still on the fence, that's your answer. Yeah, your answer. I agree. Then your answer is no. Yes. Because if you still, yeah, if you still don't know, then it's a no. Yes. Um, because you should be emphatically just head over heels for this other person. Absolutely. And if you're not after three years, then don't waste their time. Right. Because that's you know that's never good. Like when you, the then yeah then you hear the relationships that last like eight years they never got married or anything like that mm-hmm. and then they just break up and it's right. like, wow. That's, right. you know, it may not have seemed like wasted time, you know, to them, but like, who? Right. That's, that's heavy. That's but heavy I think stuff. the hard part, too, is then sometimes you realize like people get got married too soon and they, mm-hmm. they got divorced and everything. And some people are like, well, yeah. if you waited a little longer, you might have been able to tell. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes I look at that as maybe you just had lack of good judgment in the first place. I don't know. And then you hear and then you hear stories of people who like my friends, my friend's grandparents. I'll never forget the story. He tells me about them. And. They met, they were both like scientists mm-hmm. and they both like met like at a lab or something. And uh, he and his grandfather was like messing around with like one of the other uh, scientist guys, just like, you know, being stupid yeah. in the lab. And uh, this woman walks in and is like, you better not dirty up my lab. And then like she leaves and he turns to his friend and says, whoever ends up with her is in trouble. Two weeks later, they were engaged. And they've been happily married for however many Wait, years. Wait, the same guy. The that grandfather, said that? yes, oh, yeah, wow. the guy who said that. Okay. Two weeks after that conversation, he and her were engaged, got married, and have been happily married for uh, over fifty years. Oh wow, two weeks. Two weeks. I can't even fat. That to I me is that. that's wow. on board with like the um, like arranged marriages yeah. where you only meet the person like once or twice mm-hmm. beforehand, mm-hmm. and. I mean, more power to them culturally. It seems to work. Yeah. You know, like they I think like a study was even shown that like um, arranged marriage couples were like however many percent like happier than couples that are just trying to figure it out on their own. Maybe it's because of the decision Uh, part. It is. It's such a firm thing that it's like I'm sure of it. Yeah. And so and I think a lot of people and I don't blame them, especially our generation, but they Mm. can't take accountability for making wrong or right decisions right it's like mm-hmm. it was my fault or like yep. it was my I, I made the wrong yep. choice like no one can have the guts no. to say that today so it's, that's why it's yeah it's always well and there's so they many options this, too you know? you know i think with the satisfaction thing there's right. always so many fish to choose from now on social media and, and that yeah. and that has turned us into one giant all we are are we're advertisements. Yeah. So literally, you know, the whole swiping mechanic. Ever <laughs> since that swiping mechanic came into being, I'm like, this is the downfall of the dating world. Yeah. Because now it is literally, I mean, and the best part about it is it's not technically rejection. Yeah. You know? Yes. If you don't match with someone, that's implied that they didn't swipe on you. Right. But that could also mean that they just never got to your swipe. Right. Or that they deleted it before then or whatever. Because, you know, on Bumble, I still have a few matches that are, you know, blurred out because you have to pay for it otherwise. And so I may never get to those matches. Right. You know, unless I actually like do it. So... 
Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> we are walking advertisements now of ourselves. No, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, final part here. I'm going to ask you one or two questions from the mm. card game. Love it. We'll I need ask. to pick up that because as soon as I checked your website <laughs> for it, I instantly loved it because I'm like, these are the kinds of questions I would ask on a date. Yeah. These are the things. That's sure. another and thing. And those are questions I ask on a date mm-hmm. too. I, I literally, yes. like on a first date or second date, I will ask, like, mm-hmm. I would kind of pop these questions in and yes. make it go. Listeners, way get this. If you have not picked up this game, what is the. <laughs> tell them the name of the game again. Yeah, Come on now. Fulfills, sell that merch. What fulfills you game? What card game. You? It's a conversation starter. Um, I think it's so great for, you know, deep questions and, you know, going past yes. this level. Get those and then memorize them so that way you can actually <laughs> look, you know, then you can feel like you're having a deeper conversation with Absolutely. someone. All right, let's hear them. What okay, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just do this one. Do you believe everything happens for a reason or do we have more control over our fate slash in basically, you know, we make decisions and that's how life plays out? Man, oh, man. All right, I... I go back and forth on this one a lot because part of me is like, well, if everything happens for a reason, then it was serendipitous, just for an example, it was serendipitous that I was in Blue Bottle at the exact time talking Mm -hmm. about this exact subject for you to then overhear and for for this to all work out, you know? So there's that, you know, every right place, right time moment like that. Yes. But then part of me is like, well, why would I have... Uh, like growing up, why would I have said that I wanted to be a soccer player, a math teacher, uh, a psychi- a psychiatrist? Why would I have gone through all of that if I eventually wanted to end up in the arts? You know, and my thing is too is that I want to do so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want to be you know I want to be an actor, but you know this isn't my first time on a podcast, right? And like so I've hosted podcasts and stuff before, so I love podcasting. Part of my like a dream I have, I want to be the next Larry King, may he mm. rest in peace now. Yeah. Um I want to be a baseball umpire, <laughs> you know? Like I want to do so many things. And so I think that to some extent, I'm going to give you a muddied answer. I'm going to say yes and no because I think to some extent, you know, we're dealt we're dealt a certain hand of cards yeah. with life, you know, and every quality that you can, uh, every quality about yourself is is only one card, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, that's one card. The other four cards are all things that you can pick up just in your life, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, let's face it, if you're attractive, that's an ace, mm-hmm. all right? You're already ace high, okay? Yeah. But then you got, but then you've got four other cards, mm-hmm. and I think... Of those four cards, that's what you can control. Yeah. I think there's one card you can't control, and that is who you are, uh, both physically and emotionally. Yeah. That's just going to be who you are. Yeah. Um, because you're, we're products of our environment. Yep. We are, you know, we can try and rage against the machine a little bit, but in the end, you're going to be who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And then it's the skills and the training and everything like that that you can pick up along the way. And have some control over. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I feel like it's kind of 50-50 in a sense. Yes. Right? Yeah. Big time. Okay. Last question. And it's something I ask okay. everyone on this show. Okay. Um, but out of all things we talked about and just kind of what you've learned in life, uh, what would you say fulfills you in your own life? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> Hence the name <laughs> I of the podcast. Not, yeah, I should have <laughs> seen this coming even. Um, what fulfills me? Prime example. Yesterday, uh, after the last Polar Express show, mm-hmm. 
there was uh, there was an elderly gentleman who uh, didn't speak a whole lot of English, okay. uh, and from the sound of it, it sounded like him and his family were Spaniards of some kind. Okay, um, and so he was very slow mobility wise and everything like that. And so I told my uh, my fellow castmates that I work with, I'm like, hey, uh, I, he's you know he he might take a little while to get off the train, so. Once everyone else is gone and it's just their family, y'all go get changed. Y'all, you know, y'all head home. Like I'll, I'll stay back and I'll stay back and help. So, so I helped him get off the train, which again was slow going because those train cars are high up. Um, So slowly helped him off the train, slowly got him to his, uh, to his car and everything. So I think for me, it's literally just like helping. Like I feel so, I feel fulfilled when I'm helping somebody else. Yeah. Now, that comes in many different forms, which I like to use to my advantage because mm-hmm. it could mean something as simple as, you know, when someone is coming off the train, just offering my hand for mm-hmm. support. But it could also mean in my industry with acting, it's like I'm telling what I always like to say is we tell the stories to those who need to hear them the most. Yeah. And so I love the fact that I can be a part of those stories to help inspire people and kids. I still have kids that I used to work with with Missoula Children's Theater from different towns and stuff mm-hmm. who still send me messages every now and then and be like, we miss you, Nick. You were the best director and everything like that. Because, I mean, every week the kids say like, yeah, you're our favorites. But then we know very, we know <laughs> yeah. once the next Sears directors come that they won't be thinking about us. But every now and then you get those, you get those people that you, that you really feel that you made an impact in yeah. your life with. And I think that, that to me, when someone tells me that I've impacted their life in a positive way, that's better than drugs. I, <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Anything. I feel the exact same way. I think it always comes down to the people, the relationships and the connections we make in this life and, you know, the impact we can make in this world. So yes. I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> wow. This conversation was so <laughs> yeah. great. All to this think it awesome. came from Blue Bottle Blue and bottle. just serendipitous moment. Um, <laughs> where can everyone find you? Share any social media you have so yes. people can check you out, all that good stuff. Yes. So I, uh, I'm i not on a whole lot of social medias right now, but uh, my mentors are telling me, Nick, you need an Instagram. So I'm <laughs> going to be getting an Instagram. I already have a Twitter and everything. So cool. if you want to follow me, uh, I am at Showbiz Shomer on all, uh, on all social media sites. That's capital S, Show, Biz, B-I-Z, no space, capital S, C-H-O-M-M-E-R. That's where you can find me. Um, right now, I'm doing Polar Express over in Whippany, New Jersey, where we are telling the story of Polar Express on a moving train. We pass by the North Pole. Santa comes on. It's a great, uh, really fun show. Uh, there are still tickets available if you are in the greater New York area and you have kids or nieces and nephews. It's an awesome time for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Come out, uh, see that, and then we'll see what happens uh, after after this holiday season and see what's next for me. But thank you so much for this, Emily. This yeah. was such a blast. <laughs> uh, and I can't thank you enough. This yeah. Was awesome. Thank you again mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, being on this and agreeing. You know, I was just asking you. I was like, I don't know what he'll say, but I'm going to ask you anyways. So I'm glad. I'm no, glad as soon as you out. said podcast, I'm like, I'm in. I don't care what the podcast is about. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that was all for today's episode with Nick Schomer, the guy that I met at Blue Bottle Coffee and decided 
to ask him on spur of the moment to be on the show. So I hope you guys found value in this conversation, in this episode. And if you did, as always, you know how much I appreciate it when you share the episode from Spotify or Apple on your Instagram story and tag both the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you and myself at Emily E. Duong. And you guys know I love resharing it and chatting with you guys in the DMs to just hear more of your feedback, what you liked, even what you didn't like, all of that. It really means the world to me. And so I appreciate you for tuning in each week. And before you head out, be sure to follow along on the Instagram at what fulfills you to stay tuned for all of the final holiday sales on the card game. If you've been interested in grabbing the card game or the journal uh, for yourself or a friend, it's available at whatfulfillsyou.com. There is currently a holiday sale going on if you're listening to this in December 2021. So just follow along on Instagram at whatfulfillsyou and you can be up to date on all of the promotions. Thanks again for tuning in today. I will chat with you all in the next episode.